everybody and welcome to episode two of Fake Science, a podcast where I look at science in the news and rant about where it's fake. Fake news. Today I'm going to be talking about climate change and climate change is a science matter close to my heart because as a significant and globally divisive issue, it's the first major scientific debate where I emphatically got on board with the wrong side. That's right, for a good two or so years, I was absolutely and outspokenly certain that climate change was not really a problem, or if it was, it wasn't man-made. And then I actually studied the subject, and that definitely changed my mind. Because prior to ever actively researching the topic, my opinions were based on what I heard from other people. If they said it with enough conviction, and they seemed to know what they were talking about, then I had no reason to doubt them. And this isn't an uncommon mindset. So today I'm going to look at some examples of climate news, and let's see if there's some fake science lurking in there. You're listening to Fake Science with Bronte Wilson. So joining me in the studio, I've got Professor James Renwick from Victoria University. So thank you so much for joining me today, James. Would you like to introduce yourself? Thanks, Bronte. Yeah, um, so yeah, I'm James Renwick. I'm a climate scientist. I've been working on climate and climate change for longer than I care to remember now. Um, been involved in the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Uh, and I started my professional life as a weather forecaster at the Met Service a very long time ago. So um, always been interested in the clouds and the weather. Excellent. So quite a bit of experience there. Uh, today James is joining me to talk about fake climate science. So I've been flicking through some good old science news, having a gander at what the world has to say about climate change. And of course there are some somewhat dubious claims floating around. So I found some of my favourites, or some themes that seem to recur a lot, and James and I are going to review, and possibly debunk, some of these recurring themes. If global warming is real, why are winters getting colder? So on New Year's Eve, Donald Trump somewhat infamously tweeted, in the East it could be the coldest New Year's Eve on record. Perhaps we could use a little bit of that good old global warming. Ah, is it even worth (laughs) responding to stuff like that? You know, the the cold New Year's Eve. Yeah, sure, it was cold at the same time that Donald Trump was feeling cold. The west coast of the US, California, was having one of its warmest winters. And that's the thing. If you live in a certain place and you see that it's cold, you think, oh, well, so much for global warming. That's, That's the problem because global warming, that word global, you've got to actually look globally and and you can't just look out the window and see what's happening with global warming. Yeah, no, it feels like a prime example of people not knowing the difference between weather and climate because you know, weather is the current observable state of the atmosphere. It is what you see outside your window. But climate is the average weather in a particular location over a long period of time. And I just think that no one ever took the time to tell Donald Trump that. So instead he looks out his window, sees something cold and thinks, oh, well, then there's no global warming. Yeah, but warming doesn't necessarily mean it gets warmer everywhere all the time. Mm, Uh, It's the average global temperature. But things could become more variable for a while at least, and you might see... Um, cold extremes in one part of the world at the same time you're getting really large warm extremes in other parts of the world. It was like in New Zealand just uh, like two, three years ago when we had the one of the worst droughts ever seen at the, in uh, Canterbury at the same time as some of the worst flooding further north. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's another classic example and this motto that the wet get wetter and the dry get drier and that's a pretty good rule of thumb but it also applies to individual weather events. When you get a big high-pressure system and it's sunny and it's a bit warmer than it was 50 years ago, evaporation works more efficiently, so soils dry out faster, so you get deeper, uh, more damaging droughts. But when you get a storm, because the air is warmer, there's more moisture in the air, so when it rains, more rainfall falls out of that storm. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, I read recently, can global warming be creating some of the cold snaps in particular through destabilising weather systems? 
That's right, actually, yes. And this is more, much more a northern hemisphere thing than southern hemisphere. You have the jet stream, these strong westerly winds that blow around the globe. And in the northern hemisphere in winter, normally, yeah, the westerlies are whizzing around and the, and the cold air is trapped inside over the pole. And the warmer air is south of the, the jet stream. As the Arctic has warmed up and the sea ice has melted, that sort of weakened the energy source for the, the westerly jet stream. So you can get these big meanders in the westerlies, or they can break down completely, and that lets the cold air over the pole sort of leak out to lower latitudes, and the warm air from more from the tropical areas to move northwards. So basically, yeah, global warming can make it rain, it can make a really bad drought, or it can actually make it colder. Carbon dioxide isn't a pollutant because it's plant food. So the reference to carbon dioxide being plant food instead of a pollutant popped up in a Washington Times article, very reliable, in December. <laughs> um, but a few other publications have made similar claims that increasing atmospheric carbon dioxide is beneficial and essential for plant growth. <laughs> up to a point, that's true. Carbon dioxide is what plants breathe in, and they breathe out oxygen, which allows us to breathe. So more carbon dioxide in the air. Yes, that if other things being equal would mean more plant growth. Uh, and I've seen some really interesting modelling work done to show that through the rest of the century a lot of tree species are set to grow bigger and faster because of carbon dioxide increase and you know this is this is good news. The catch is that plants need more than carbon dioxide to grow. Yeah I mean they need the right amount of moisture at the right time, the right amount of rainfall, the right nutrients in the soil, a certain amount of sunlight, just definitely a lot more than just carbon dioxide. So this is where the catch, one of the catches lies that you can't guarantee that these other things that plants need are going to be available, especially water availability is a big issue. Plants are likely to be more stressed through lack of water more often as the climate warms up. So we are likely to see faster plant growth in a lot of ways, but it's not necessarily sort of good plant growth. And I've seen some research lately showing that, you know, cereal crops like wheat and rice and so on, with more carbon dioxide, yeah, they, they can grow faster and yield more mass of the crop, but the nutrient levels in that crop go down. So you get, a, you get more of a lower quality product. And isn't there also this, though, I mean, you've got the short and the long-term carbon cycles. So if in the long term, we're supposed to have a lot more carbon trapped in the you know, reservoirs like rocks and fossil fuels, but we're burning it too quickly. So I think we're, we're releasing carbon into the atmosphere a lot faster than a bunch of hungry plants can really balance. Well, that's right. That's a really good point. The way we're changing the composition of the atmosphere is, you know, orders of magnitude, tens, hundreds of times faster than any natural process that's occurred in the past. And that's a big issue. Renewable energy sources are insufficient because sometimes the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. Yeah, and again, up to a point that's true. Isn't it kind of partly what our technology is trying to catch up with? Yeah, that's right. This is a renewable energy sources like solar panels and, and wind turbines and so on are a totally different way of thinking about generating energy. You know, in the past, you built a big hydro dam or a nuclear power station or whatever it might be, and it's somewhere off in the distance, and then you have a whole bunch of power lines taking the electricity to where the users are. Now, with renewables like solar, you know, individual houses can have solar panels on the roof, and they can generate their own electricity and put it out to the grid. The trouble is the grid's been designed with that model of a big power station over there and just a whole lot of 
lines feeding households and users. It's not set up to handle a lot of different places generating their own power and putting it into the into the pot. So the whole electricity grid needs to be a bit reorganised. But it's possible, so that's that's one thing. And the other thing is battery technology. You know, We need to be able to store the energy that you get from solar panels or from wind farms so that once the energy is stored, you know, it can be used through the day and the night. And these are all just technological hurdles. There's, there's nothing insurmountable about any of this. And these arguments that, oh, you know, the wind doesn't always blow, so therefore we can't use wind power. You know, that uh, strikes me as a bit of a fake argument. Bit of a cop-out. Usually coming from the fossil fuel industry who say, well, you've got to be burning this stuff to give you the base load power. And that is the way things have happened in the past, but it's definitely not the only way. Global warming is actually a good thing. So an article by The Guardian last month shared that Scott Pruitt, the head of the Environmental Protection Agency, has suggested that global warming may be beneficial to humans, saying that warming temperatures could benefit civilization and, quote, we know humans have most flourished during times of warming trends. Right. Um, and that, that quote is based on a pretty sketchy amount of <laughs> evidence, actually, mostly to do with things like, you know, the medieval warm period where it was warm across Western Europe and the North Atlantic and people from Scandinavia colonised Greenland and so on. And yep, that happened, but that was just a regional blip really. It lasted for a, a couple of hundred years maybe. The catch now is that, you know, this is happening globally, so we're, we're all affected. And really, there is no perfect temperature for the Earth or perfect temperature for humanity, but that, that's not the point. The problem is that Temperatures and climate and sea levels really haven't changed much for the best part of 10,000 years. So we've invested an awful lot in the climate being the way it has been for a long time. If it changes, whatever that change might be, warming or cooling, um, that's a problem because we are used to the climate we have at the moment or the one we had maybe 100 years ago. So the idea that global warming is a good thing is a stretch? Well, it's a very optimistic view of things. You know, climate change, global warming, probably is good for some places for a while. Like air conditioning companies? Like air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a buck to be made out of that kind of thing. There's always a dollar to be made out of anything <laughs> to do with climate change, I think, like anything else. And, you know, and humans are pretty adaptable. And people live in the Arctic, in the tropics, you know, humans can live in most climates that exist on the earth at the moment and that's fine but even those climates haven't changed those people whether it's the Inuits in Alaska or the Bushmen of the Kalahari <laughs> um, those societies are used to the climates that they've had for a very long time and the changing of the climate makes it hard for all of these societies to adapt. And that about sums up our fake climate science for the day. Thank you so much for joining me, James. Thanks, Bronte. This is Fake Science with Bronte Wilson. And that sums up episode two of Fake Science, where we've established that being cold doesn't mean global warming isn't real, plants aren't hungry enough to eat all the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and that renewable fuel sources can survive if the wind stops blowing. If I haven't scared you away yet, then join me next Wednesday at 3pm for a look at dangerous health fads. In breaking news, climate scientists have discovered that if humans stop breathing out, carbon dioxide emissions will reduce dramatically.